to a Mexican and a redneck father of the world. We are your hosts and surrogate fathers, Juan and Ben. Today we'll be discussing what does it mean to grow a self-sufficient child? Mm. It's going to be a big one, Ben. (laughs) (laughs) We're recording for the first time ever. It's so exciting. The video? Hey, hey world. Video. Hey, world. Hey. How are you? So this is our faces. This is what? No more chicken videos. No more unless. There's probably going to be more chicken videos. There's going to be more chicken. Just, Why not? Let's just be honest. That'll There's be our be second more channel. Because this is, we're still, I still don't know what to do with my hands. But anyways, yeah. topic. Topic. What What does it mean to grow a self-sufficient child? One? You know, I was thinking about this a lot as, as far as like the man that I am today. Mm-hmm. As far as, and then and the man you are today is based on the influence that your father had with you as a child. Mm-hmm. Your dad, in a way, either intentionally or unintentionally, either taught you to be dependent of the system, whether it be whatever system he had in place in his household, or he taught you to be uh, self-sufficient. But then you think about what is self-sufficient? You know, like it's because I've been thinking this about for my kids, as far as like what type of children am I wanting to raise? Because as I look at society and all the cares and everything that's going on and wrong in the world, we are the sum outcome of the teachings and educational processes that our parents instilled in us so we have the world that we have based on what we learn or what we were taught as kids does that make sense Mm -hmm. yeah so it's like i see the world the way it's going and just being frank i don't like i don't like it it could it could be going a little better you know a a lot better i think i don't think many people look at the world and go this is great (laughs) or maybe wrong but i I, it it seems like there's a general consensus it could be better yeah i remember because i came you know my parents came to this country for a better life Mm, mine too you know yeah no no, they did they did (laughs) your answer i mean not been your dad but i mean well you are part native american we were already here so you know (laughs) part of you was part of me came here because then the blonde hair blue eyed part of you was not here correct i just want to Correct. People can see you now. They can see me now. Yeah. This is like blonde hair, blue eyed guy. What is he talking about? Already being here. Um, So that's, you know, it's like America was this place. It's it's represented freedom and opportunity. Yeah. Right. And there is the spirit of being Mm self-sufficient, being the frontiersman. You know, it's like going out. I'm going out. I'm going out west to find myself. You know, there's always there's still this element of like America is where I can become who I want to be. Yeah. Land so of then opportunity. land of opportunity. But then it's like that has to be taught. That has to be passed on to the next generation. Mm-hmm. Because, you know, just being frank, I feel like one thing, there's a lot of entitlement going oh, yeah. on. And then I've seen this, too, within family members as far as like first generation Mexican-Americans, they come and they become very successful. But then the second generation, there's still some success, but not quite because they don't have the grasp of like where they came from or what, you know, the struggle that they had to overcome. So then I'm, I'm asking myself the question, and this is something even I've asked with my brothers, like, how do we teach this to our kids? How do we provide an environment where it's safe, it's secure, but you still are able to have that struggle and realize and value the importance of hard work 
of being self-sufficient, you know, of being somebody like, I'm going to do things on my own, not because I don't like the way you're doing them, but because I don't want to have to rely on anybody. And when somebody comes to me and asks for help, I want to actually be able to provide help for that individual. That makes sense. It's, I, you know, I think one thing that like really, I got excited, um, does that is, is like stories, the days of old, you know, the, the stories you hear of this is, this is how we were raised and this is what we had to do. Walk uphill, you know, five miles to school, both ways in the snow with no feet and, or, <laughs> you know, the stories, but I think those stories, cause I can remember my parents telling me stories of, Oh, well, when we got married, you know, we didn't cause my parents met in rehab and like I was born in a rehab clinic, <laughs> like not really, I was born in a hospital, but like they, 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 they got their lives together when they were really young, mm-hmm. like their late teens. And then they ended up working in this rehabilitation clinic called outreach ministries. Mm-hmm. And that's where they met each other. And they spent years and years working there. Well, they met each other. They got married. And then they uh, had me. But we were, like, living on it. So I, yeah, I was born in a rehab clinic. And that's where I lived the first few years. Did you really? Because <laughs> they were still working in it when I was a baby. Wow. And, like, I could still go back and people say, I knew you when you was a baby. Mm-hmm. And I'm like, I'm big now. Mm-hmm. It worked out. So, But that coming from nothing almost instills a humility yeah you know you talk about being a first generation uh uh latino like coming over mexican first generation mexican i'm first generation mexican because i was born in mexico but i was raised here in the states so i'm first generation and well i don't even know it gets complicated because i think my kids are first generation technically but they're not because then their mom is not first generation what, but the person Idiot. who is born in Mexico and then comes over the border in this scenario, that's the first generation. Right. Yeah. So, but it's, it's that, it's that, anyway, anyway yeah. but knowing humble beginnings, Yeah. knowing, and, and maybe not even humble beginnings, like maybe you could be born in America and your parents are doing great, but like them telling you, I've had to work hard to be this great. But that that instilling that hard work ethic and yeah. those good values and morals that got them to that level of success. Well, you know, because it's like, well, here's the thing, too. Because another thing that I think about, man, because you said something as far as like it's knowing humble beginnings, but at the same time, it's like I have an experience. I have experienced humbled. I've experienced poverty. I've experienced um, lack. So have you. So you, you don't know just you don't just know about it. You've experienced it. Sure. And I feel like one of the things as parents that we try to do, we try to remove that pain. But how can you provide the experience without the pain? Oh, yeah. That's what I'm asking. So like, as far as like developing, you know, developing um, self-sufficient kids. It's like I want my kids to be able to clean up the room by themselves without me having to do it or having to be on them all the time. Mm-hmm. Because then if, uh, if I look at it like this, if – you're not able to clean your room on your own. Somebody's going to have to clean that room for you. And if somebody else is doing the work for you, there's going to be consequences or there's going to be restrictions as far as how you want the room set up. So it's like, but then how do you teach your children to do that on their own of their own free, free will? But the answer is in the question, teach your children. 
like you said, how do I teach my children? Well, you teach them, Mm -hmm. you know, so you might have a million dollars in the bank and go buy them whatever they want, but that doesn't mean you have to, Mm -hmm. you can teach them, uh, self-control and humility. Hey, you're not going to get to eat candy every day. You're going to eat vegetables every day. Mm -hmm. Yeah. I can go buy you milkshakes and sodas, but you're going to drink water, you know? Mm Mm-hmm. Hey, I want to go do that. Yeah, we can go do everything in the world, but it's teaching them that constraint. Mm-hmm. And, and you're right, absolutely right about that because I keep on thinking about that because it goes back to the statement that's made earlier. You're teaching your kids intentionally or unintentionally. You can be intentional as far as what you're actually teaching them, or you can do things for them, but then you're unintentionally teaching them to become dependent upon you yes. or depend, become dependent upon whatever system. Oh, it's okay. Mom, mom is going to do it. Oh, it's okay. Dad will do it for me. You know, but then it's like, but the reality is you and I are in a, at a point in our lives where we know it's not okay. Because if I don't do it, if you don't do it, if you don't do your responsibilities, if I don't do my responsibilities, nobody else is going to come and do them for me. Oh, yeah. They're just not going to get done. And then if they don't get done, it's going gonna, it's gonna to cause chaos. Yes. It's going to bring chaos in their house. So as a father... We do provide that safety net, but then how do you, this is, I guess, another question, which the answer might be, well, you're teaching them by doing it as far as like, how do you show them then like, Hey, I'm providing you a safety net for a period of time. But once the safety net is removed, you're going to have to be able to do things on your own. And I remember as a kid, my dad did it in an unintentional manner. I don't think he was very intentional as far as like teaching me. It's like, Hey, you're going to, once I'm gone, you're going to have to do things on your own. Like I always kind of knew, like I better get ready because I can't depend on this guy because he was just not the dependable dad for periods of my life. So I knew that like I have to be getting ready and prepared to be self-sufficient. So then when I'm gone from this house, from when I leave his home, there's no coming back. Yeah. You know? So in a way his, his intentionality, it, it turned out to be, it turned out, it turned out for good, you know, like the pain and suffering. It was something that it, it really sucked at the time as a kid. Cause you're like, man, why am I going through this? But then now as an adult, I'll look back and I'm like, that was actually a really good learning experience. How do I teach that to my kids? without actually putting them through that pain. You know, it's kind of like that song by uh, Johnny Cash, the, bo- the boy named Sally. Boy or named Sue. Sue. Woo! Yeah, you know, it's like, it's like, hey, I'm not gonna be here, so I'm just gonna name you Sue. Good luck, son. You yeah, know? but he met his dad on the other end, and he was tough the way his dad wanted him. Yeah, to be. his dad accomplished the goal. Yeah. So he was, in a way, he was intentional about it. His dad knew his limitations. Yeah, he's like, I'm gonna be a crappy dad. I'm not gonna be around. So <laughs> this is all I can do for you. Here you go. You're welcome, son. But it's a great perspective. I love that song. It's one of my favorites. But it's, it's a great perspective, though, because it's like knowing your limitations as a parent. Mm-hmm. I can't do this for you. So maybe I need to put you in the Boy Scouts to teach you, you know, some Boy Scout principles or morals or whatever, you know, or I, I don't know, whatever organization people put their kids into. But I mean, that that's the first step is saying, OK, what can I teach? Mm-hmm. You know, because I look at it, you, you brought this topic up and I was like, how do you grow a self-sufficient kid? Well, you got to give them like a, a mental toolbox, mm-hmm. if you will. And so when problem, if this happens, then this is how I would have responded to it, you know? And, 
and give them not so much the wealth of your finances, but give them the wealth of family and community. Yeah. Yes. And, and, for, and I mean, everybody's values are different. Some people are just very focused on finances and that's important to them. And they want their kids to be very rich. Mm-hmm. But for, for us and our family, I tell people I'm the richest person in the world. I've got a wonderful wife, great kids, uh, wonderful people like you in my life. And so it's like, yeah, I don't have all the money in the world and I got very regular, normal, everyday problems, but I'm the wealthiest person in the world because of people around me who love me and care about me and who I get to love and care about as well, you know, equally. And, and that's, you know, that, that's where I'm like trying to teach my kids is how do, how do you live a life where relationships and, and joy is what you're really equating to wealth? Mm-hmm. That that's my long term goal is wealth is self sufficiency, but mm-hmm. like what you value, you know. So I value relationships. I value joy and passion and think, you know, being a part of something you really believe in. Mm-hmm. And so, yeah, you need money because you got to eat and have a place to stay. But your primary focus should be cultivating those relationships that bring you joy and that you can bring joy to as well. And, and so that's that's kind of the building block and foundation of of like how how i say this this is how you're self-sufficient because mm-hmm. we do this and my kids might change their mind and think differently when they get older i can't control that but in the 18 years i get before they leave the house i definitely instill the wealth of of relationship yeah that is that is that is huge ben because that's something that i find myself with like with my kids having to teach them because you know through the process of trying to teach them to become self-sufficient there's also a a, a need in a <clears throat> in a uh, a need for dependency self-sufficient doesn't mean that you do everything by yourself no. it, it just means that you are able to provide a, kil- a skill set to whether it be your family your community your environment you have you, you are a productive individual. So like I'm trying to teach my kids as far as like my oldest, she's able to do things that her little sister is not able to do. But if they work together as a team, her self-sufficient and her self-sufficiency become, and then they become, they're able to do more together, but yet still be individuals. They're not necessarily dependent upon each other, but then they're able to work off the strengths of each other. Cause I feel like that's something that you and I have. Like I'm not dependent upon you. If you're not in my life, I'm still going to be okay. Oh yeah. But when we come together, it's like, it makes our lives that much better. Oh yeah. Because it's like, it's like our, our efforts are multiplied. It's not addition it's multiplication. Yeah. You know, and that's the the one thing with like, oh, that's really smart. You know, this is the one thing with like, uh, let's see in America, it was always like your effort was multiplied. Oh, yeah. Versus, you know, like in other parts of the world. Yeah, you might be. You might be strong or whatever, but it's like um, you have addition. But in America, we've always had multiplication where your efforts are able to be multiplied and you become way much way more than what you were able to do on your own. So, man, going back to that, where you're saying as far as like the community aspect, that environment, the um, being in an environment where you're surrounded by like-minded individuals and it's not your kids are seeing you do the things, but then they also see the people around you doing the things that need to be done. And it's like, oh, this is what I need to do to be successful. 
Oh, yeah, because it's not just mommy and daddy. It's mommy and daddy and Uncle Juan and Brittany and so-and-so-and-so. And it just becomes this thing of, oh, you got this. This is, like, reinforced. Yeah. And, you know, I mean, there's something to be said for cults. They're really good at reinforcing <laughs> what they believe. Not that, not, we're, not, we're not doing that. Don't join a cult. They're we're not, bad. We're not, doing, we're not starting a cult. We're not even offering any kind of drink. No, no nope. Kool-Aid here. No Kool-Aid here. <laughs> well, guys, with that being said, we want to thank you for listening to Mexican and Redneck Follow the World. Uh, we love you. That's it. We love you. No, we love you. We're no, proud of you. We love you. We're proud of you. <laughs> you just stared into my soul, Ben. I look up and you're like staring into my soul and I'm like, am I saying something wrong? So let's close out that again. Okay. <laughs> let's try that one more time. We want to thank everyone for listening to a Mexican and a Redneck Follow the World. We love you and we're proud of you. Oh